if you can find people that are aligned with what you are trying to accomplish in the world, you will be able to let your hair down and breathe a little bit, knowing that if they're invested in your mission, then they will be the kinds of people that you can trust. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. So Jill, before we get into the meat of today's episode, I wanted to ask you, when you Uh-oh. first, yeah, I know, like that's not a scary question at all, but I wanted to ask when you first became a manager, like the first time you became a manager, what was it that took you most by surprise? What was unexpected for you about what it meant to be a manager? Honestly, I think the most surprising thing for me is that I, I grew up in corporate land. My my mother was in post-secondary as an instructor. My father worked as a tradesperson, like the typical colonialist, patriarchal business type thing. That's what I grew up with, right? I think the biggest thing that was surprising to me was how much that actually didn't need to be the case. Mm. That's how people were trying to manage me, but I knew that that wasn't my management style. I didn't want to be that kind of manager because I had been managed that way. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had to be. Mm -hmm. And the further I got into it, the more I recognized that I could actually still be me as a manager and not be this top-down RAR kind of personality that, yeah, exactly. We'll introduce our guest in a second here, but she was just giving like little claw fingers right on the camera here. I don't have to be that kind of personality to be a good manager. And that's what I thought I needed. And it was so surprising to me to find that I actually didn't. And things went better when I wasn't. Jenny is here because she is now a manager in an online business And we're going to talk a little bit about her journey, about how she has learned to manage and what it's like to actually give ownership when you're not the boss. So Jenny, go ahead, say hey to everyone and give us a little bit of an intro on who you are. Hi there, everybody. Hi, Jill and Brianne. Thank you so much for having me to start things off. My name is Jenny B and I came into management in kind of a sideways way. I have never been part of corporate life at all. I started my own consultancy as a copywriter years and years ago, probably about 12, 13 years ago, which is ancient in terms of the internet, but I've (laughs) always been in online business and have always worked really closely with clients to help them generate results. And so as a business owner myself, there came this point where I felt like I was certainly at the top of my game for where I had ever been previously. You know, I was making great money, working with really fantastic clients, but there came this whole period of transition where I realized that if I was going to be scaling my own business, you know, if there was a glass ceiling that I had reach that I had self-imposed somehow, I was going to be need to be working with other people more closely as contractors, possible team members, that kind of thing. And that, not knowing anything about management, because I had never been part of corporate world before, the closest thing I had ever come was being an elementary school teacher. I taught second and third grade. I taught on the Navajo Reservation in a very high stakes time during No Child Left Behind when there was a lot of accountability. And so I knew exactly how it felt to be managed 
with this patriarchal colonial (laughs) type approach. And I wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. So I never considered myself a manager. I really like people, but I didn't want to be a boss, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Just whatever baggage I had already associated with the term being a boss. Even with my contractors, I tried to keep it role friendly and loose and... Probably let one too many deadlines slip by without holding the people that I was paying accountable. And so when it, I came to this place in early 2019, where I knew that if I was going to go big in the business that I was running in my consultancy, things were going to need to change structurally. And I was going to have to develop new processes and new systems. But I still did not imagine myself being a leader really in kind of the new definition that I've come to understand from you, Jill and Brianne. I came into management because I had a a longtime client. We'd been working together for five or six years and her business had grown so much that she really did need someone to come in a sales and marketing capacity full-time into the business. I ended up selling off my high-profile signature course. I sold that to a really great fit for it. So I sent her off into the sunset with my blessings, Kelly, who piece <laughs> of my business. And I came to work for pre-K pages. And as a result, my, my very first task as sales and marketing director was going to be to take this loose ragtag coalition of contractors and try to assemble them into some kind of semblance of a team. When we we look at this from the flip side, from the perspective of Vanessa, who is the founder and owner of Pre-K Pages, and as the owner of a business, people are often wondering, how can I build my team with people who are committed, you know, with employees instead of contractors, all I've had are contractors. I don't know if I want that responsibility. I don't know if I want all of that. And one of the things that Jill and I often say is, well, have you considered asking some of your longtime contractors if they would consider coming in as an employee and just having, you know, you be their only employer? And inevitably, when we propose this, People say, well, they wouldn't want that. Why would they want that? They love running their own business. Why would they want to give all of that up in order to come for work for us? So Jenny, as someone who did that, tell me why you would do that as someone who had a successful business. Why would you give all that up? So I think what I, I had this major realization in 2019, my word for the year that year was bold. I was going to do something bold. Now it turned out to be completely different. I thought I was just going to like go big and scale and conquer the entire internet with my own business. But the further I got into that particular year, the more I realized I could. I have the ability to, I know how to, or I could align myself with people who could help me figure that out. But I didn't actually want to. I'm not a person who likes being the face of a brand. I really love, I have done lots of live video work with my clients. So it's not that I wasn't comfortable being in front of a camera or being public, but I think I'm a more private person unless I'm with exactly the right people. And I just, being on social media, doing the whole quote, be everywhere, everyone says you have to do, which you don't. 
but none of it jives with my personality. So I came to a place where I had to realize that my personality type and even what I wanted came down to more, I want to be able to do the things that I want to do, which is generate serious results, have big time job satisfaction. But frankly, I wasn't interested in doing all of the other bits and pieces or organizing other people to do all the bits and pieces for me that would grow my own online empire. So I I came and I think I even mentioned this to you guys when I was first interviewing for that position. I came to see myself more as a kingmaker. And that I don't want to be the king. I, really, it's that drive isn't even in me. I definitely have some alpha female stuff going on with my personality, but I don't have a competitive bone in my body. Like, not at all. I really am about the soft skills and maximizing the way that other people, empowering other people to do things. I get probably more joy out of facilitating someone else doing amazing things than I ever did for myself. Like it, it rang hollow for me personally and it just wasn't even a goal. So I think to come in, Brianne, to you know this hypothetical situation where what about these contractors that are working for you? Unless you ask, you have no idea where their head and their heart are at with their personal business. Like money aside, even if somebody is like raking in the big bucks, you do not know what is going on internal to their business. So let's circle back to your story, Jenny, and talking about how you started to make this transition into pre-K, becoming the manager, but also taking ownership of your own aspects within the company. Can you tell me a little bit more about what it felt like to actually learn to manage and how things shifted for you as you went through that process? Absolutely. So under a full disclosure for everybody who's listening, Jill and Brianne have been an integral part of this process. I I could have read every business book on the shelf. And I've probably, I've read a generous handful already. (laughs) But what I really appreciated about the path that we took to help streamline my role, we, we actually developed my role in the company as the company was growing. And we'd gotten the revenue to a place, even when I was a contractor, that could happen where it would work for me, it would work for the company. But I had a lot to learn. I had never been a manager. You know, I had parenting, and I had teaching. <laughs> so my first task in coming into Pre-K Pages was getting in contact with all of our different contractors. And we had probably 12 to 14 at the time when I came into the business. And they were doing everything from doing social media and outreach kind of stuff to helping edit blogs to working on images and graphics. I'm sure we'll be talking more about the player coach role. So I was there representing copywriting as the player on the team, even down to our tech guy, which we're one of probably hundreds of clients that he has. But I got all of them on the phone. We just set up a quick and easy 30-minute call and I introduced myself. I got to say, here's who I am. And I got to ask them, some more personal and professional questions now. So I could really start to know these contractors as human beings. I had not realized how important that was. Having been managed in a way where my 
humanness was never even on the table for discussion. It was more like, what are you doing? Are you doing enough? Are you doing it fast enough? That kind of thing. So I got to approach each one of these meetings too as a learner. And then being informed by really varied perspectives, I got to start putting together a transition plan with you guys' help to pull all of these diverse voices and perspectives together as a team. One thing that I remember from back when you were in the midst of that process was that you shared how relieved the team was to have somewhere to bring these ideas. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I I seem to recall that there was a conversation that you related, which was that, that the team had actually been holding back on sharing all of their ideas because they knew that Vanessa was overwhelmed, trying to hold all the pieces together. And so they hadn't been able to bring their best forward because they were afraid of negative impact on the business as a whole. So you coming in was a relief for them in some ways. Absolutely. To that point, the only communication system that was set up with Vanessa and any of these contractors was email. And so we have some very kind-hearted, probably Enneagram 2s represented among our team. (laughs) And they would honestly feel bad, like they were interrupting or bothering, or if they made, if they had an idea that it would be taken as from Vanessa's perspective, oh my gosh, I have to do this now. And this is a whole nother thing. And everyone knew already that Vanessa was the hub at the center of all of this and everything went through her. And so they really did hold back. And you can imagine with that scenario in place, probably lower satisfaction with their experience as potential team members that they didn't really have a voice because they couldn't feel like they could use it. So one of the very first things that we did was setting up a rhythm where we would come together as, you know, a whole team where I would be talking with them individually and then also setting up a central communications platform in Slack. And none of these contractors, the tech guy aside, none of them had ever used Slack before. And I had already seen running my own business, what a great tool that was. And so what the magic started really coming together when not only did all of these team members have an opportunity to start communicating with, quote, management but with each other. And I think that the most profound positive culture started to grow as they had access to each other and were able to start collaborating and asking for help and and getting to ride some highs and lows in a personal way together. Even for contractors, the lack of that community building, we've talked about it before in previous podcasts of you know the dog walker analogy and having everyone on the team going in different directions. They're trying some in a lot of cases to go in the same direction, but because there's not that communication, there's not that central hub, they haven't made that connection they're still going every which way. And not that they're trying to be bad contractors or anything like that. It's just that's how it ended up being. One of the very first times, because Brianne mentioned that you came to us and mentioned how everyone was just so happy to have some kind of system, some kind of rhythm to follow, was like, I can't believe they're so happy about this. This is awesome. Yeah, it was almost as if they were grateful. I I potentially, not having ever been a manager before, I had a little bit of reticence in, okay, what is this going to be like? It felt like a big black box to me. 
And I had been managed poorly in the past and I did not want to be that manager. And so there was a little bit of fear that I had going into this. It seemed like just a big black box. Even just getting through those first couple of meetings, it felt good. These precious humans were thanking me for managing them. Like, I am so glad that you're finally here because we know what's going on. We know each other. Like pre-K pages became a really happy place to work. And that's what we want. We want our employees and our contractors, everybody to have a positive emotional experience that goes with the job. We've talked a little bit about, we talked about it at the beginning of the call, Brian and I have talked about it on previous podcasts about this idea of ownership. Can you tell me a little bit about how it felt for you both to take ownership and then to be able to then give it to your team as well and how that was different than how you had been managed in the past and what that gave you to work with? So in the past, I'm thinking more about teaching in a school setting where they not only tell you, here is what your goals are, here are the metrics you have to achieve, and you have to figure it out on your own. So then you go like scramble to try to you know research and, and read and think. But then they come back to you and say, just kidding, here's how you're going to do it. <laughs> And so you you get this tiny little, you know, sliver of hope that you're going to have some kind of control over some aspect of your professional life and they take it away from you again. Sorry, no power for you. It, my experience being managed in the past was very negative because I do, I I am such a learner and I, I have this inner capacity to grow and learn and get better. And not only that, the work that you are doing, like the work with my children in my classroom was more important to me than anybody, than it was to anybody else. But I was not given that kind of respect. Of course, you're going to be able to make good decisions. And so translating Mm -hmm. that over to even this company that we're growing over at Pre-K Pages, Scott, who is our community manager for our the teaching trailblazers, he loves our members and he wants to see them succeed. And he feels such pride and accomplishment when some of his ideas, like here are the project ideas, he gets to make a potential plan and review it with his manager who can maybe point out some challenges that he might run into. But because he owns that, it it enables him to keep his full heart and mind in his projects and in his job. And of course, that's how we perform the best. Giving ownership has really been, what was at first a very weak muscle. And I just had to go on faith that this is something that will come more naturally over time. If I was not fully on board with the concept at the time, I am now. So my first response is not, oh, here's something that needs to be done to meet this goal and here's how we're going to do it. My first thought is, I wonder whether we should be thinking about this type of thing or this type of thing. Let me get some input from my experts who are the implementers who are doing the work on the ground level. If there is something that comes up that is a company priority, that needs to happen by a certain time. And I'll say, hey, here's the thing. I'm giving you as much lead time as I need. But within this time frame, when would work best for you? Can you set a potential date for a deadline for to have that done? And then we'll work backward and build that 
those expectations together so they have plenty of time for me to just open up a question, say, how can I support you in this? Are there any tools or information that you need to be able to do this thing well? And you know, most of the time, things are done ahead of deadline, ahead of the deadlines that they set, which are probably sooner than the ones I would have set. And they're getting them done completely. We don't have a bunch of unfinished bits of projects hanging out there in the ether. Projects are getting done under budget, ahead of schedule, and with really excellent quality. Sometimes it's hard for people to imagine what actually is the job of the manager. If you're not spending your time doing all the things, what's left? How do you actually do that? And especially, how do you spend your time when you want to be this anti-patriarchal decolonization of work type of manager? How do you actually spend your time as that kind of full-time manager? So... A lot of what I am doing now in manager role is making plans, keeping us organized, noticing needs before possibly other people would, keeping my finger on the pulse of different metrics and keeping our immediate quarterly goals at at the front, but making sure that they continue to align with where we want to be on an annual, more strategic level. So organizing big projects across the company where we are going to have multiple people from each team. We just started using Airtable about nine months ago now. And it's my favorite tool I've ever used. (laughs) I love it so much. It organizes hashtag all the things. And my my whole team like really loves it as well. I, I feel like my role is a sounding board for my team that I am there and I have very leadership level type tasks that I am performing. But when it comes to the team themselves, they know where I live. They can hop on a call with me at any time. And just to hold us all together and have what feels like a very collaborative space. I wish that the folks listening could see the video and just see how you you just glow, right? Like you're so excited about this ability to lead people. I was sadly misguided. I did not know what I was missing, but I'm glad I didn't because then I wouldn't be here doing what I really love. So here we are. It all worked Mm -hmm. out. It did for sure. So we've been talking for a while here. I want to kind of bring this back to one little piece that you mentioned early on. And I, I laugh because it's something that I've talked about before with various clients. And I always get the you're kidding me look when I say this. And it's this idea that parenting or teaching is such a transferable skill towards leadership. And so people don't believe me when I say this. So I want to hear from your side of the coin, from someone that actually is a parent and has gone through this transition. What is it about teaching and about parenting that lends itself so well to being a good leader and doing these ownership transitions and all the stuff we've been talking about? People always said, it's amazing how different, like these different humans that come out of my same body They have different personalities. They came out of the box completely different. And I am not trying to turn them into me. I don't want them to be me because that would probably not work very well at all. If we had Jenny and three little Jennies running around, it it, (laughs) it could get ugly people. It could get really ugly. But what I want my girls to do is to find their individual spark. What makes their hearts sing? 
what are their natural gifts and abilities? And, you know, what are places where we do need to come alongside them as a coach and help them identify things that they want to shore up? And I think this is a place where the parallel comes in with managing a team. So I do not need a team full of Jennies and that that would not work anyway. What I want to do though is each one of these people brings a different skill set, different strengths and weaknesses. Being able to help each one of my team members realize their potential and spend as much time in their own zones of genius as they possibly can and giving them enough vulnerability, the safety to be vulnerable where they can ask for help, not just from me, but from each other. And it really does for all of us make work a great place to be. Jenny, a lot of the people who listen to this show are the founder, being the manager on a high performing team. What would you want to tell those founders and CEOs so that they can learn from what your experience has been? I think it's really easy as a founder to uh, come in with this false notion that your business is nowhere near as important to them as it is to you. Like Mm -hmm. I am the only one that cares this much about my business and I have these big dreams and visions and nobody else's dreams and visions can even come close. And so what they end up doing is not trusting other people to come alongside and partner with them because, and in order to do that, honestly, you have to know what are, what is your mission and vision and value? So you can help find these right people, even within the potentially contractors that are already working for you. If you can find people that are aligned with what you are trying to accomplish in the world, you will be able to let your hair down and breathe a little bit, knowing that if they're invested in your mission, if they have some kind of personal connection to that, or they have a a past work history that really aligns them well, then they will be the kinds of people that you can trust. But a second thing is when you are looking at building a team, especially if you're just starting from scratch and you've never done this before, You cannot assign a dollar per hour value to getting to know your team, to getting to know these people. One of my favorite things back to parenting that I say with my kids is we are a team. We rise and fall together. And I use the same exact thing with my team that take the time to know your team people, even the ones that feel like they're out on the fringes. I was talking about Ozzy, the tech guy who has hundreds of other clients. The man is brilliant. I'm really glad that he has been with this company for a long time. And I would be a fool not to listen and care about not just his ideas for our company, but on a deeper level as a human. So we just went through this really big and arduous tech stack overhaul And Ozzy was a big part of it. I was doing a lot of both project management and implementation. And you better bet that I was on the phone with Ozzy every two to three days. And we were talking some about what's going on in my life, what's going on in his life. We were having all of my girls are in dance and we ended up having to have impromptu Zoom calls sometimes. And the more we can see each other as people, then the more effective our teams will be, and then the more effective we'll be at carrying out our missions in the world. Thank you, Jenny. 
Thank you for taking the time to to be with us today. Where can people find you and find pre-K in the wide, wide and wild world, apparently, of the internet these days? I am on Instagram at uh, instagram.com slash the Jenny B, T-H-E-J-E-N-I-B-E-E. And I just have lots of pictures of my kids and pretty stuff. Pre-K pages, which is obviously the reason that I'm here today, is at pre-kpages.com. Our founder is this amazing visionary woman named Vanessa Levin. And man, we've got some really big things that are happening both this year and in the next couple of years to come. So if you want a business to watch, keep an eye out for Pre-K Pages. Thank you guys as well for all of the ways that you've been instrumental in building this company. It would not be what it is without your help. Thank you for that, Jenny. And you know, those details, we'll make sure that those will be available down in the show notes below. So again, Jenny B, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for being a wonderful co-client. I guess we would would call it that way. (laughs) And I just want to thank you for being you because it's been so wonderful to work with you as you know, a coach as a co-leader, as just a friend, because it's been great to get to know you and to watch the transition that you've been going through. So thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing that. And then for the rest of you, as you're listening into this next time on our next episode, Brianna and I will be breaking down some of the things that Jenny has shared with us and talking about how to apply it to your business and see how you can then make the same transformations that Jenny has made within pre-K. I wish everyone a wonderful rest of your day and I hope to see you all soon. This is Jill Germanazzo, Brianne Dick, and Jenny B signing off from the Visionary CEO Podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.